quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, true crime, mysteries, and more. I'm Ivan. We have Joe and Sam. Guys, we have a great one for tonight. Yeah. For sure. Joe, what do we have? We have in studio, once again, the great, the one, the only, Bruce Bennett, bass extraordinaire. And he's going to be telling some really interesting stories. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, we, we get... Or Sam, you get messages from him, and then you let us preview some of the things he might talk about. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, what should he talk about? I was like, any of those that I'm reading, yeah. he could talk about any of those. Yeah, they're all good. And then some of them we ended up not because it was like, oh, it's too close to home or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, awesome guest. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good. Yeah, time. I'm gonna I'm gonna break the fourth wall here for just a second. We actually recorded this a few weeks ago, and. Just a couple days ago, Bruce texted me and was like, hey, when's my episode coming out? And so, <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, in good spirits, I believe he's, I think he's just ready to hear his own voice like he likes to do. So, <laughs> That's true. I think without further ado, let's get into it. Let's go. Quiet your mind. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing? Glad to have you back. Absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Good to be here again. No matter what, the only request I have of you is, don't bring me down, Bruce. All right, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's going to get it added in post-production. Prepare for the yellow, kids. <laughs> Sam will do it, too. Yeah. I know. Oh, I he know. He surprises us all the time. Of course, remember the last time I was here, I got that whole Night's Tale introduction, which, I yes. mean. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I forgot I, about I, that. I need to figure out a way to add that to my ringtone or something. <laughs> hey, we can make that's, that happen. Yeah, all right. you could do that. I, I'm all for that. So I, I, as I was saying before we started rolling, I was late and I apologize. I had to stop and buy chicken feed for my chickens and I didn't know that was going to be a 15 minute process. But the guy in front of me that got in line right before me had some kind of power tool that he wanted an extension for. And they're like, can I get an extension for this? And then so they got out three catalogs and were licking their fingers and thumbing through. Like, like I didn't cashier? exist. Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you meant like a warranty for it or something. No, I don't know I don't know what it was going on. You got to pull that guy aside, right? right? I mean, come on, common sense. Well, I just stand there and just daydream of ways to kill him. <laughs> and just, I've got a 50-pound bag of chicken feed on my shoulder for 12 to 15 minutes while they're just like, I'm, I'm like... Is am I is this ghost? Am I am I is there a floating bag of feet and am I invisible? <laughs> well, what is happening? Of all the podcast topics that you've done, I'm sure you could think of many ways to kill them. <laughs> so yeah, it, don't make Joe mad. When it came my turn, I just really aggressively just flung the fit. <laughs> it was chunk and just shook the whole desk. And he go, Oh, it was will that be all? And I was like, Yeah. I wanted to say no. I'd like the last 15 minutes of my life back. <laughs> I will say I did learn from you that if you're going to murder someone with an axe, you need to use the blunt end, not the sharp side, <laughs> because it's a way more efficient way to bludgeon. Mm-hmm. You taught me that on Velisca. Yeah, sure. If you want to, if you want to dismember some limbs, you flip that baby around. Yeah, it won't get stuck as bad. Hang on, I got to get to my notes page. <laughs> this ought to be good. <laughs> 
But then, oh, this is a long segue. As soon as I walked in here, <laughs> I found out, and we did check with you to make sure you're cool talking about it. You have, what was the word? What is the term for being afraid of birds? Ornitho- ornithophobia. Ornithophobia. Hang on, let me look it up here. It's on my notes again. Let's see, hang on, let me see here. The ornithophobia story. Okay. In other words, I have a phobia of birds, yes. I'm, Ten right. minutes before I came here, I literally was holding a chicken. Would that qualify? I mean, uh, I know that's a bird, but... Yeah, I wouldn't be doing it. Even a chicken, okay. I wouldn't be... Uh, no, I would not be doing it. Okay. What know? about the Hitchcock movie? Did, oh, God. That's one of the most horrifying things oh, I've ever seen saying. in my life. <laughs> oh, you can't get me... No. no I, didn't, I, I didn't like that one either. No, yeah, to, to be honest, I mean, I'm... I mean, I'm a little bit closer tethered to earth about it now. Sure. But, you know, for a number of years, yeah, it was, you know... Oh, yeah, it was very real. They are kind of shifty. I will give you that. They're, They're kind of like nasty jerky. animals. I, you know, yeah. I'd rather have a, you know, at least pigs are somewhat clean in their, you know, rolling around in filth to stay cool. Birds just, you know, mites and I mean, just, oh yeah, uh, just you know, just nasty animals. And those sharp beaks. Oh, <laughs> here we go. All right. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you boys, ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm itching for it. Let's do. I'm itching right. maybe because I was holding a bird and I have mites. I don't know. But, <laughs> but no, listen. I took a shower after I held the bird because I had been worked all day. Took a shower, jumped in the car, had the uh, infuriating thing at, at uh, the unnamed. You did not, but I I appreciate you placating me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. That's sir. All right. Go ahead, sir. All right, so. <laughs> I don't know. We covered this part last time. I, we covered the idea that I was from South Bend long ago and far away. Mm-hmm. But my first memories as a child were a place called New Carlisle, Indiana, which is about 15 miles west of South Bend. And it's at that time, it was 40 feet wide and a mile long and maybe one or two flashing lights. But everything around it was all farms. And my dad was the only banker that was situated in that town. So therefore, you know, farmers need loans. So my dad was a loan officer to a lot of them. So, yeah, they kissed his ass a lot. And <laughs> sure. But there was one particular family that, you know, the, he became friends with that he was a loan officer for. But um, basically an old Polish immigrant with a bunch of consonants strung together. Janiszewski, I think it was. And he was from the old school. And, he, and this guy was built like a brick shit house. I mean, but probably from having his arm inside of a cow's ass for, you know, I mean, that, that sort of thing. And lifting heavy bags of chicken feed and that sort yeah, of thing. Heard you and, but he had a bunch of little that. kids that were a little bit older than me, ranging from, you know, maybe five or seven up to, you know, junior high, that liked having a little white-haired three-year-old boy running around, you know, play with and stuff like that. And, and of course, they had cows and they had horses and they had ducks and they had chickens and they had all kinds of things and pigs, you know. So at that time, I wasn't scared of any one of those species, you know, and I, you know, within certain super Supervision, run around, you know, and play with all the animals. And you know, one day I headed towards the chicken coop for some reason. And why well, there was one chicken there that like had a collar on with a chain with things stuck in the ground. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Fighting a rooster, right? Yes. We know the difference. You know, and I'm walking over this thing, here, chicky, chicky, here, chicky. You know, oh. I walk and this son of a bitch went up and down me that quick. You know, and I mean I just like fell back on my ass and I'm just sitting there and they're yelling for me and I guess I just like didn't respond. I was just like in shock. You know, what the hell just happened here? Sure. And so, you know, they run over and they scoop me up and I've got these little solder dots all over me. And they take me to the doctor and they, you know, that was like my first experience with those like round band-aids that you get, you know, (laughs) had those like stuck all over me, right? And, you know, and well, so the next week they want to go back out to the farm again. And they had to peel me out of the car. I'm like, hell no, that thing with the collar <laughs> yeah. might, you know, might be over there, right? You know, I'm just like, I'm scared. 
they got me to the point where I'm, you know, got, would go inside the house, but I damn sure was not going to go outside of the house and go play with anything in it because that thing might be still roaming around. Sure. And the old, you know, the old Polish immigrant farmer, and he was, you know, a big dude, and I was more than willing to listen to what he had to say. You know, and he was lecturing me, oh, Bruce, uh, you know, birds are more afraid of you than you are of them. <laughs> and he had two peacocks in his backyard, all right? Yeah. And, you know, he's like, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. And he, like, flings his hand out at one of the peacocks. Peacock catches him right there <laughs> and damn near shears him off with the knuckle. Oh and I'm just like, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, you know, the defense yeah. rests, Your Honor. Yeah, you, you know, were I'm saying. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so as a result, I, you know, I'm just like... It's a look into the future right there. <sighs> so, yes. that was your point to get over it, probably, if he would have proved himself right. Yeah, but, if that bird would have just, you know, didn't what it's supposed to do and get the hell out yeah. of the way. But no, he shears him off damn near at the knuckle, and I'm just like, well, <laughs> guess what? I was, yeah. I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, you know, validation. Yes, but it didn't make me any less afraid of birds, you know, so I... I tell that story to people and they think it's funny, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but then, you know, they'll do We're things. We're laughing with you. Yeah, sure, near me. <laughs> and, you know, they'll do certain things, you know, make fun of me. Like, you know, oh, what was it? Went to Disney World and they took me into the tiki room where there's, oh yeah, you know, there's yeah. mechanical birds all over the place. You know, I didn't know it until I get in there and the lights come up and there's these talking parrots and shit. And I'm just like, all right, I realize they're mechanical, but this just does not make me feel any better, <laughs> you know? And then... Oh, I took my family to Grand Country over in Branson. And then, you know, for like $300, you get a motel room and some buffet stuff. And, you know, one night you yep. get to see the the band, which is funny because I got to play with later on with a few members of that band. And uh, then the next night it was like, I thought it was supposed to be a magic show. Well, it was, but the magician happened to have a bunch of parrots. You know, and as soon as these sons of bitches are flying around the room over the head, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like under everything, you know. I yeah. Mean, kids and stepkids are like, uh, yeah, I don't even like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So, yeah, needless to say, yeah. I read one time they could have like 500 pounds, like a macaw has like 500 pounds of bite force or something, some kind of crazy amount. I'm That's thinking. a theory I'm far <laughs> not willing to even remotely exactly. test, even vicariously. I don't want to know. I had the like hackiest. 80s nightclub sports jacket joke pop in my head when you said that that chicken had ran up and down you. I immediately thought, like, you went to school the next day and the kids were like, you got chicken pox? And you said, no, I got chicken pokes. Oh, God. Hey. Oh. Oh. oh pull it your car all night. Oh. <laughs> try the veal. Uh, try the oh, I'm God. a real dying yet. It's terrible. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. But, but it makes for a great story now. So it's like. Yeah. Brings to mind a deep thought by Jack Handy. Mm. It says, why is the dove the peace symbol? Why isn't the pillow? Why isn't it the pillow? Because it has more feathers than the dove, but and it doesn't have that dangerous beak. <laughs> <laughs> All I can say is the only bird for me is dead and on my plate. You know I mean? there you go. KFC and Alice Cooper are my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. You love KFC because they're slaying your enemy that's amazing that's right that and i'm fat so there's you know i like kfc and then there's alice cooper because he is alice cooper so Popeye, popeyes versus kfc where are you in that debate oh boy that's tough uh still i don't need the spiciness of the popeyes so mm. i'll yeah. take the kfc extra crispy and I would, I would agree with that and kill it dead yeah you know what's what's funny about this whole thing is bruce got here and i was actually heating up a piece of Chicken. Of KFC chicken in the microwave. Oh, that's funny. So here we have uh, me eating some chicken uh, while talking to Bruce before you guys got here. And then Joe texting that he was 
waiting on uh, buy, to buy some chicken feed. And I had Zaxby's on the way. You had Zaxby's, and then Bruce told a uh, fear of bird story. Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's called a segue, kids. It is. <laughs> you know, you're study, if you're using this to study radio theory, that's called a segue. <laughs> a heavy, heavy segue heavy from segue. multiple angles. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty Boy. crazy. At what point did you watch Birds by by Hitchcock after that? And why did did you watch uh, it on purpose? Oh no! I, well, I mean, I'm sure I saw it on TV or something. But you know, I on purpose. Well, I mean, you didn't know it was swarming, attacking. <laughs> sure, Tippy Hendren, you know, and that you know that whole subtext of Hitchcock trying to make her crazy and all that because yeah. he was in love with her and all that stuff. You, you know, you didn't know about that. You just saw a bunch of birds flying in. I'm like, oh yeah, well, there's a lot of that. I all I needed to that. see was that, and I'm just like, you know, all right. <laughs> yeah, it was on. It was on like the classic movie channel all the time. Seems like that movie is on. A yes. Lot. Yep. And yeah, you won't get me through it. We're gonna get you a turducken if you ever come back. I would be delighted. <laughs> I've never had one. I've always wanted. I, I, I know there's a place in Tulsa that makes them. I don't know if there's anywhere around here that does, but there is a place in Tulsa that does a turducken. I'd be more than delighted. You're killing three stones with one bird, or three birds with one stone. There, sorry. <laughs> that is right. Yeah, because that's another. They're deceased, you know. So it's like. You know, yes. I'll take them at that point. And then, you know, it's like you're jamming one up inside the other, inside the <laughs> other. So it's like, you know, not only are they dead, but, you know, life is screwing them after they're gone. Yeah. It's the way I think of it. It's kind of making fun of them after they're gone. That's like, right. Not only am I going to kill you, but I'm going to shove you up inside of something else. Yeah. You know, it's like, like that's something injury. Like, not even Dahmer or, or Bundy ever like <laughs> one, one, one victim was killed and the other one's head was shoved up. It's like, they've never even done that. That's man. Sick. <laughs> Don't release this podcast to the DOC or we're, <laughs> we're going to be giving some nutsacks, all kinds of ideas. <laughs> There's no telling where this makes it to. But. Oh, you ain't kidding. Well, we circled the block several times last time, and I got even more stuff to talk about this time. Yeah. Uh, we, had an hour, we had an hour and a half worth of stuff. We didn't even, you know, probably didn't even make the final cut from the right. last time, which is why, like, we got to have him on again, because I'm a fountain of useless information. An encyclopedia, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Say once a month or something, you should just come by whenever you want. Well, you know where to find me. Sam knows where to find me. How about the story that kind of kicked off the whole idea started this whole thing mm -hmm. yes all right let's so, start with that one yeah because all right i guess we started with the bird one so let's and, and actually at the end one. of this a bird has to do with it but we'll, we'll, we'll get there in a little segue bit. to the segue perfect all right so <laughs> well of course i mean i know you two know this i you know, I'm, I'm assuming you listen to the last one so you kind of know i mean my i play bass have for a long time play with a number of local bands but i also play with ricochet and occasionally we back up wade hayes okay Throw out a Wade Hayes song for people that might not for know reference. Yes. Um, old enough to know better is Do is one care. of his bigger hits. Yeah. Um, the day she left Tulsa in a Chevy in a hurry in the pouring down rain. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Oh it's yeah. Good he's, stuff. He's got a bunch of them. It's kind of the same type of deal. Like you know, I was talking to you earlier about Exile. It's like, oh okay, I remember that. I remember yeah. That. I remember that. Yeah. And it's like, oh okay. So anyway, we we back him up on occasion. Now that comes into play here in a little bit. My mother-in-law passed away about four or five years ago, and she was cremated. She was very gaunt when she passed away. So when my wife got you know the bag back, which you know, I've seen this before, usually it's pretty ashy, but this looked like bone chips is what it looked like. Okay. And she emptied the contents of the bag out into three like Tupperware-type containers, one for her, one for her sister, one for her kids, if, you know, they so chose. But if you look at the Tupperware container with this in it, it looks like oatmeal. 
And I found this out because one day I'm sitting in bed with my wife watching TV on a Saturday morning, and she gets up to go get something to eat out of the fridge. Oh, my And her God. 13-year-old son's in there, and all of a sudden I heard two screams. I heard my wife screaming, <laughs> Ryan, you're about to eat Nana. And then Ryan saying, holy <laughs> shit, because he had water steeping. He was about ready to get some oatmeal. Oh. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Oh. All right. So you get an idea of the constitution of, got, of these remains. I, I got you. <laughs> and but one of the things that my mother-in-law wanted was to be distributed in as many states as possible okay. and you know a big body of water like an ocean okay and so you know uh, we took a trip a while back where we drove down to florida and you know so you're gonna hit tennessee mississippi alabama and then florida and then you get the gulf and then we played a show with Ricochet at Panama City and then drove up to Virginia to play a show that following Saturday night. So there's Georgia, North Carolina. Cool. Just Virginia. kind of drop a, a little just, bit. You know, every, just drop a little bit, right? Like a teaspoon or something. Yeah, something like that. We had okay. like a pill bottle, a couple pill bottles filled. You know, okay. Just throw a little out. Gotcha. Okay. And then, well, on the way back, you know, my boss, before I left, he's like, well, you've ever been to Graceland? I'm like, No. It's like, well, um, I tell you what, all right, when you come through on Sunday, I got your room at the guest house in Graceland, and I booked you a tour for Monday morning. I'll see you on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So we play our show in Virginia and then drive through Tennessee. We're at Graceland. So part of Nana is next to Elvis. We kind of lagged behind the tour a little bit. Nice. Yeah, through oh, that's about. cool. So, you know, that's kind of cool. So fast forward a little bit. Heath books a show in Kentucky, just a one-night type of deal. So, you know, we leave about midnight that day, drive all the way to, drive all the way to someplace in Kentucky. And um, catch a few hours to hotel and then get out. And I'm, well, you know, I hadn't deposited any of Nana in Kentucky. Chrissy had given me a little pill bottle. And so right before I get on the bus, you know, I go to this one little area outside the hotel and throw a little bit of Nana out. There you go, Kentucky. Okay. Get back on the bus and the guys are like, what were you doing? I'm like, well, I told him the whole story, you know, like deceased mother-in-law, so on and so forth, you know, and even included the story about the oatmeal, which, you know, of course they found funny. And then, and, and I said, well, you know, so this way we got Kentucky out of the way, you know, and Heath was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I had the pill bottle in my hand and I went, shh, 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 shh. okay. Now there's a song that we play with Wade that is the percussion in it is only, shh, 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 shh. okay. At which point Chris, the drummer's like, well, there's our percussion for next week for, who saved who for playing the Wade show? And I'm like, okay, fine. We're playing at Silver Dollar City. You're going to mic it up. Yeah. All so, right. you know, so like <laughs> next week we go to Silver Dollar City and I've got the pill bottle. Okay. So, you know, and we do, you know, and it's like, are we going to tell Wade about this? You know, it's like, we might want to wait till after the show. I mean, Wade's, Wade's pretty cool. He's a pretty quiet guy, but he's pretty cool. But, you know, don't know how he really is going to react to something like that. You know, do the show, you know, okay, fine. Well, I'm like, I, all right. After the show, I got to tell Wade about this. You know, Wade's signing shirts and all that. And I'm kind of standing off the side, and he signs the last shirt, sees me, comes over like, you know, thanks. Great job, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm like, all right, I got to tell you a story. Kind of tell him the whole story up to that point where it's like, so, you know, when you did Who Saved Who earlier this evening, and I pulled the pill bottle out of my pocket, da -da -da -da, you know, I started humming the mel melody yeah. while I'm shaking it. And he, for a second, he just looked at me like I had three heads. And I'm just like, oh, shit. And then he, then he started laughing. He's like, I couldn't stop laughing. Well, he's like, that's just, you know, you just could not believe it. And then, you know, and Heath came over and we're all laughing about it. And it's like, well, you know, has Nana been in Missouri yet? And I'm like, well, no, I guess I could do that. Some of that now. And there's a little patch of grass over there. So I go over there and dump some over there. And I'm like, you know, you guys realize that, you know, at some point in time, like a bird's probably going to eat some of that. So if anyone ever told the mother-in-law during the course of her life that she wasn't going to amount to shit, they would be dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
So now I had to write that, you know, I had to write that story out for a couple of different people. And sure. that kind of led to writing about 25 or 26 more of them. Okay. All right. So I've got, a, you know, I've got a bunch of them. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's like some of them are music related. Some of them are related to that previous life I had practicing law. Some of them are just dumb shit that's happened to me, like, you know, getting pecked by a bandy <laughs> rooster and living to tell the story. Well, yeah. how, how amazing is it that she also got to play percussion for Wade, Wade Hayes? In fact, yeah, right. that is awesome. She never would have thought that. Well, exactly. <laughs> and so she's got to be, you know, laughing or something up there. And, um, and see, that's one of the things I, you know, I don't know if Sam noticed this or not. There's two things about this because trying to put together a compilation of things, you okay. know, a collection of stories, so to speak. Well, one of the things is that all the stories are couched in, my blank story mm-hmm. or the blank story. Yes. Okay. They're all like that. Yep. That's based upon like, you know, the friends episodes are right. all the one about. So all mine are the blank story. So I have to like maybe gerrymander some words or, you know, like, or do something lengthy, like the, my mother-in-law as percussionist for Wade Hayes story right. <laughs> oh, yeah. or the ornithophobia story. They're all like that. And, um, they're all written on my notes page on my phone that's amazing so there's like you know all 26 of them are in his phone so hopefully i don't you know lose it i've been blessed enough to for him to send me quite a few of these so So that's a backup uh, so a lot of them reside in my uh, facebook messenger yeah and you know the idea of a short story collection is from todd rundgren's autobiography where he did all his like a chapter would consist of about three long paragraphs Okay. So it was self-limiting, but, you know, he couldn't get it in within those three paragraphs. So it's like, I've got in my mind, you know, how long I really want it, you know. Right. How long can I make it? I'm trying not to make it too long. The something story, and I write it all in this. So, yes, it's neurotic as hell, but. How many do you have at this point? Did you already 25 or 26. I I would think you're pretty close, right? Yeah, because they all probably run. I don't know if you put that on Word or something like that. Right, yeah. I don't know how many pages it would be if you double-spaced it and put, you know, some sort of sizable type on it. Do you You think you'd put it chronologically, or do you think you'd put it in some other order that would make sense to you? I don't know. Well, that's part of the problem. I don't know how I would do that. I mean, I probably would just have to put it in the forward somewhere. Like, these things jump around all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Maybe music. Yeah, because I mean... Other careers. And I thought about, you know, doing like one collection being law and one collection being music. And I'm like, eh, nah, because these kind of just come organically. So I'm just going to... Sure. Here's 25. Yeah. Here's what you get. And I'll write 25 that more way later, I'm sure. back and forth. You know, I like, like do some music, then do some law, then do some music, then do some tomfoolery or, yeah. you know, whatever. So. Or yes. do this podcast 15 yeah. times and we'll use them all. <laughs> and then, yeah, by the time, yeah, by the time you'll all have sent them all to you and Sam and, you know, you pirate all my stuff. And... Be like, you stole that from Donna Mantis podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I really think you should do it because they're very interesting. I'm just sitting here. Sipping my coffee, listening, and I for, I'm even forgetting that I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple that, you know, like the one we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I, I, you know, I gotta, I've, I've got to debate that yet whether or not I would release it with a collection. There's one other right. one that I did that I'm like, it's a great story, but I can't release it yet because some family members of this guy are good good friends, friends oh, okay. of mine. And, you know, he's still got some kids out there that would whip my ass. 
We'll do an unsolved mysteries thing. The names have been changed, changed to protect it would be the guilty too, and innocent. There's some things, I mean, you'd put lipstick on that well, pig and true. guess what? You'd figure out that, you know, it's a pig with lipstick. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've already got, you know, the names have been changed to protect the ignorant. Yes, I've already got that's already, you know, that's already baked into this somewhere. That, okay, will, that will happen. Yeah. Well, what is the wildest story that came from your time as a criminal defense attorney that you can Oh, uh, or would feel comfortable. Well, you know, uh, you know, we were talking about the one earlier where you know I'd right, you know, I'd been in the game for a while and then represented someone in the first child porn case. Oh, oh. and that was different, primarily because you know the, the you see the crime in right there in front of you, either oh. as a yeah, and it was someone that had a lot of there was the uh, the evidence was overwhelming. But at some point in time, you at least have to review a little bit of it, to, you know, and... And that's probably something that... I, I, as, as I say, I could not wash it out of my head with Clorox. Right. What is it entitled? The kid porn case that almost ruined me and still might. Yes. Yep. That's, that's exactly, exactly what's what entitled. Is. Would you Would you say that there are some people that could defend that just like constantly and it doesn't eat at them evidently there is i mean yeah there has you know, to be you know because there's u.s prosecutors that you know because a lot of that stuff most of that stuff winds up in federal in sure. federal you know in the federal system i know there's people still down there doing it you know rep, yeah. you know prosecuting it that have yeah. even long ago and far away that i mean i don't know if they're pouring over every single photograph sure. you know of some guy that might have 2500 boy that would twist you real quick i think and i also mean like the defending side how you have to you know, defend somebody uh, that, that seems like defenseless, not defenseless, but well, non-defendable. You there know, you go. Does that make sense? Well, you know, what, you know, a lot of people I hear say is that, you know, how can you represent someone like that? Well, I mean, I've represented plenty of bad people and during that 17 years. If I'm not, somebody else is going to. I mean, sure. it's constitutional, you know, unless they're dumb enough to represent themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen. Plus, you know, you need someone in there one way or another to stop the bleeding or, you know, enforce your rights. Yeah. It still has to be fair to some degree to even the guilty party. It can't just... Yeah, so you can't just say, well, you know, we've got this evidence, you're guilty, so let's, you know, hang you from the courthouse square. Yeah. Mm, no. That way, I think, wouldn't you agree everyone feels better because it's a fair trial? Sure. Prosecution? Well, you should. You know, yeah. pe people should. Yeah. You know, they should be as much or if not more invested in the idea of, you know, let's do this right. Sure. You know, let's not have a trial that winds up hanging him in the courthouse steps, but then you realize there's so many flaws to it that guess what? You're gonna have to do this again. Sure. Yeah. You know, because of some wrongs, let's do it right. I just, I can't even think about that very much without getting depressed. Just the type of case that you just mentioned, because I think I've mentioned this before, but with anything like that with a child, yes, you would think that the conversation would go, you know, that something like that happened once, like back in the 40s. One case like that did happen once, and God, it was crazy. You know, apparently, I mean, I don't know, I can't even articulate how it blows my mind that it's not uncommon, but it's actually a problem. A widespread, like when you say thousands of images, I can't even believe thousands exist in the world, you know, like it's just. There, I, how many sickos are out there is my, my question. Like, it's crazy. Well, I, I would say, you know, just by what I gleaned from handling that particular case, it, it, would, it would probably surprise you and you probably couldn't estimate far enough.
I mean, I think the FBI usually is the ones who investigate that sort of thing, although it does happen locally, too. I mean, it happens all the way around. Uh, but, you know, like I was saying in this case, how this particular individual was arrested, you know, things came from overseas through the Internet to Seattle, through to Kansas City. And this guy's IPS address just happened to show up when they busted a, whole, a big operation in Kansas City. And yeah. they were able to track that particular IP address to, you know, a little trailer in Arkansas. Kind of like you said, Joe, it's like in the 40s, maybe it didn't happen as much, but did it? And now the internet at least gives us a digital way to find these people. Should we look at it like that or or is it that there are more? It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I know that's a very tough question to answer. That's, that's hard to say because yeah. before the internet, I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. I sure. Mean, don't know. Yeah. Because I didn't know if they were like, if it was more like physical abuse and... Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Well, I was yeah, my point was something that like just horrific and gross. You would like to have think like that that would just be like in the history books there would be a part of one paragraph that was like, yeah, this happened once, I think. Sure. Uh, and never again. Like, you know, one person did this to one child and that was all that ever happened and he was executed, you know. But instead it's like, no, it's everywhere. It seems yeah. like, you know, like it's common almost. Without going too far down the rabbit hole, Obviously, the internet contributed greatly to the dissemination of it, you know, the availability of it. Sure. I don't know, you know, before the internet, how you would get a hold of moving images or, you know, pictures and whatnot, but the actual acts itself, mm -hmm. I mean, because I, you know, I had some success for a period of time representing a number of sex offenders, and then there were some that, you know, hard to defend, let's put it that way. You sure. Just, you did your best to stop the bleeding on it. One of the things you find is a lot of it's cultural in one form or fashion. Either, you know, someone in the family had done it somewhere else. Mm. And it just manifested its mm -hmm. way up. And, you know, here's here's a generation that's going to, you know, have it done to them, so they're going to do it to others. Mm. Yeah. And then I found that there were certain cultures in other areas of the world where it was almost commonplace. Sure. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Absolutely mind-blowing. And far more prevalent than you think. When you talk about punishment, sometimes I think about this, like, if someone murders another person, yeah, I mean, if it's proven beyond the shadow of a doubt, death penalty, whatever your state does, that's fine. But if you think about it with kids, like someone's abused that kid, I mean, that kid didn't die, but the rest of that kid's life is... Is a mess. Yeah. So, I mean, do we factor that in when we talk about punishment? Yeah, because, you know, the kid's not dying. Sure. So, you know, death penalty's not going to be an option for it. I mm -hmm. mean, I don't think anywhere well maybe you know in some other country somewhere it's like you molest a kid then we will kill you mm -hmm. maybe yeah probably not going to happen here just because you know we're more eye for an eye and yeah as a society but at the same time you know i have this discussion with a number of people it's like do those guys ever get rehabilitated by whatever pen time they do yeah you know and because it's like it's like if someone came to me today and said all right bruce from here on out blonde-headed women with big boobs you cannot be attracted to them. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm probably going to pen, the pen the next day, you know? <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Well, it's a great way to look at it. <laughs> I never yeah. thought it's of it like, like you know, that. I'm, is there a place I can go to be rewired? So this <laughs> a, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Maybe mean, medical technology eventually, but man, I think that's way far off. I like to think about futurism and AI and all that stuff and Neuralink and all that stuff, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, you're right with pedos. I think the only solution is to lock them up and throw away the key. I mean, because you're right. You're, they're not just going to wake up any more than any of us are going to wake up and 
not be attracted to whatever we're attracted to tomorrow. You just, just you can't turn that off, right? After these messages, we'll be right back. Extra, extra. Dawn of Mantis now has a merch store. There are t-shirts, long and short sleeve, as well as hoodies. Just go to dawnofmantis.com and click the t-shirt link. And while you're there, you can check out our Patreon. Quiet your mind. I'm seeing one, Merle Haggard. Oh, okay. Is that a good one? All right, the Merle Haggard story. All right, now, back in the middle 90s, there was a club over in Rogers called Alibis. Okay. Now it's called El Metroplex or something like that. But it used to be, essentially, it was a hollowed-out gymnasium that a guy from Branson came down and turned into a country bar. I mean, he kept okay. a basketball floor, you know, and just threw sawdust on it and <laughs> danced around it. But he had a you know, great PA and... You know, he did it right. He knew what he was doing. And I ended up representing him. Okay. And one of the things he did to, you know, keep the business up was that he would have a national act in there. It started out as just being like once a month. And then it was like, you know, once, twice a month, he would have a national act coming through there. Now, when he would have a national act coming through there, it was usually, you know, someone either on their way up or someone like kind of on their way down a little bit. Okay. And he would catch them on what you might call a routing date. Like, you'd catch them on a Thursday when they were on their way somewhere, and you want to make a little extra money to make that bus payment, you know, come play at Alibis, make, you know, make your payroll, and then a few extra bucks, and then go on somewhere else. Pretty so smart. a lot of those shows yeah. were, you know, it, was a good, you know, it worked out really well. Band I was playing with, with at the time, partially because the guy I represented him, got to open for a lot of, you know, some of these really cool acts, David Allen Coe, so on and so forth. And then, you know, and when he would book them, he would tell me, well, there's going to be a contract coming across your desk, take a look at it. Tell me if I need to sign it or not. Okay. And so, you know, I got to see a lot of these things, so it was beneficial for me. And he calls me up one day and says, I've got a shot at getting Merle Haggard to come to Alibis. Wow. Before that, the most legendary act he had come there was like Charlie Daniels. Okay. So that was, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, he's going to get Merle Haggard in there. Okay. You know, and this contract comes on my desk from Big Chief Talent in Nashville, Tennessee. And Merle was going to do 60 Minutes. And he was going to make $18,000 based upon a calculation of $18 ticket price times fire code capacity of 1000 Okay. Okay. All right. And I'm like, sounds good. All right. Let's go with it. Okay. So, you know, I give him the contract to sign. He signs it. We send it back. And then he immediately turns around and starts selling tickets for 21 a pop. Mm. All right. Now, wouldn't be such a bad thing except they found out about it. You know? Okay. A, couple, a few weeks later, I get a call from Big Chief Talent in Nashville we know what your boy's doing and we don't like it. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, you know, you signed that deal. You know, you saw how we came to our calculation for that fee. So we went that other $3,000 or Merle ain't showing up and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, okay. You know, and I called some friends to get second opinions and it's kind of like, well, you know, even if you don't show up, you're probably going to lose anyway and you'll have to go to Nashville to try and enforce it because all those contracts say any conflicts under this contract to be settled in a court of competent jurisdiction in Davidson County slash Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, it's really not worth it. So, you know, I go over to him, I chew him a new one for like, what are you doing? They only found out about this shit. You know, give me a cashier's check for $3,000. I'll overnight it to him and save this thing. Yeah. Okay. So I do that. Sure. So Merle shows up, I think it was on a Thursday. And even at that time, this is 95, I think, in most of his band had to be like 70 or at least they looked the part except for like a guitar player, a bass player and this guitar player's brother that like played squeeze box, which is weird. And I'll get to that in a minute. And he had these, like these weird things like in front of each instrument, like those old swing bands had, you know, it said MH on it. Okay. Yeah. 
I can visualize that. All right. And so we kind of had to work around that as an opening act. So, you know, this bass player's like, you can play through my rig. And I'm like, fine. And I get there and it's a PVTNT. So it's like, you know, sounds like a fart all night. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> but anyway, so we, so, you know, we do our, our 45 minute set open for Merle and then, you know, half hour changeover. So he's going to start at like 11 o'clock. So, you know, his band comes out and it's funny because the guitar player that he's got, that had then plays for George Strait now. Was that more the norm back then playing that late? Well, you know, we started nine thirty, went to ten thirty. You know, I mean, yeah, it was on a Thursday night, but that's back then. I mean, it was mid nineties. I'm sound like I'm yeah seventy right now. That's about right because he was done at midnight. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. He was done at midnight, and so the guitar player and his brother they were both from Louisiana, so they came out and did about ten minutes worth of Cajun music. Okay, okay, with old squeeze box and stuff, and you know, no matter what key you're playing in, you end with a big C. Okay, and so he did about ten minutes of that. Well, then out comes. Bonnie Owens, who was Buck's ex-wife and Merle's ex-wife. And she came out and did about 15 minutes worth of her stuff. And she's the one that did not want to be a cowboy sweetheart with all the yodeling uh, and stuff. Okay. And well, she was married to both Merle and Buck and Buck, Owens? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And, you know, and she was divorced from both of them when she's out doing this show. I mean, I wow. guess they, you know, they made amends or whatever. And she got to come out and do 15 minutes of, you know, and do that whole yodeling thing, which. For like a business <laughs> deal or whatever. Yeah. Right? So we're, yeah. we're 25 minutes into the hour. Okay. Okay. No Merle. And so, you know, at which point the band breaks into like the opening riff from Working Man Blues. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. But they're just staying on that A chord. And it's going on. It's going on for about a minute. No Merle. Goes on for another minute. Still no Merle. And it's going to that third minute. And it's just like starting to get a little bit uncomfortable. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, see from the side of the stage, here comes Merle walking out. And he's got like one pant leg tucked in a boot. And his hair's got the whole bus head happening with hair sticking everywhere. And his cowboy hat's about like this, like almost <laughs> sideways. And all I could think of was he looked like a cowboy version of Reverend Jim off taxi. <laughs> that's all I could think of. I'm like, Oh shit. That's like, you know, he's like Christopher Lloyd up there. You know, I wanted to, I was waiting for him to go to the mic and go, ah, hockey duck, you know, just like he used to do on taxi. And I'm just like, Oh my God. But he did, you know, then he did 35 minutes. Yeah. Because that was his contract. Walked right out just like he'd walked back on. And I mean, nobody was any the wiser. They'd seen greatness. And wow. And, and, and that was it. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, it's like, how much did he make on a normal night in the middle 90s? Because that yeah. was like a routing date. And he was making 21 grand. Yeah, that's Now, crazy. the bar that night, as it turned out, dude sold 1,400 tickets. Oh, okay. So he made an additional 8,400 at the door, plus his bar cleared like 25 grand that night. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm a, not bad for a Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, on a Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I had other things on my mind and I made a quick exit. But, you know, when the, the guitar player from the band I was playing with got to go on his bus, and I'm like, well, what was Merle like? And he's like, oh, he's dead. He just ain't fell over yet. <laughs> and, and this was 1995. It took like, you know, another 21, 22 years for, for that to happen. But. God. Yeah. So at first I thought you were going to say he was bitter for the whole money thing, but I guess, you know, as long as he got his part, he just came and did it and didn't really make it. Oh, he phoned it in, but it's, yeah. nobody, nobody gave a shit. That yeah. He, just he because they got to they be got, in the they, same they, room with them. Same room as Merle Haggard. And, you know, and for that show, there were a lot of people there that don't, wouldn't normally come out to a bar. So, you know, it was like kind of like the amateur night thing. So there were a lot of fights and stuff everywhere. Oh and, yeah. You know, it was, it was definitely amateur night. Yeah. But I mean, which is one of the reasons why I'm like, uh, I better get out of this before I have to go to work or something, yeah. you know, because like, yeah. the owner is like, yeah, I was, was going to do his own bouncing for a minute. I'm like, you're the only one with money here. You're the, you're the only one people are going to sue. So, you know, you need to get out of here, too. So. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that. Of course, I was 
just a teenager then, but I had some uncles that went there, and that was a pretty crazy place sometimes, right? At times, yes. Yeah. Oh, at times. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet your mind. I don't know if I sent that one to you or not. The Xanax story? The Xanax story. Okay. All right. So, to give you the Reader's Digest version, I I have sleep <laughs> apnea. I have, like, one of the worst cases of sleep apnea ever, you know, and I'd like to say it's because I'm fat, but actually the doctor said, well, that's only partial it. just that. I need new holes drilled. You know, I'm kind of like a, you know, bulldog. It's like, you know, the, you know, I just need new holes drilled is what really needs to happen. But for a long time after I got my CPAP, I was really self-conscious about it. And I didn't, didn't like using it. And I certainly didn't want to take it on the road because God knows what happened to it. You know, idiots in a motel room farting in it or something. You know, just, <laughs> something just to, you know, just Brilliant. to, just to, yes, to, you know, just to pass the time. So I didn't take it with me on the road for a while. And I had, you know, a former client that he was a very successful roofer in the area for a while, but he was also a complete idiot. And <laughs> and he, you know, he ended up doing a little bit of time for meth, but when he got out of down south, he replaced the meth with pills, mm. okay, which is all well and good, but, you know, because, well, yeah, I get those legally. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, you... Okay. That's what Elvis said, too. That's what Elvis said, too. I was like, you know, yeah. What were Elvis's last words? This room needs more grout. You know? Wow. That's a Heath Wright joke. I love that one. Because my running joke is, like, every year at Elvis's death, I celebrate it by getting into a karate outfit and falling off the toilet with a jelly donut. I love that. You were I should have came over and met you at the... Elvis thing. I, I was at that. Oh, the, the one yeah. with the... And, and I, when I came back in here, I, I told Sam, I said, I'm glad it was that version of Elvis, not the the older... Oh, I love the late 70s bloated... Well, he died in what, 77? 77. 77. I July, love the right? last big... August. Like, August of 77. Yeah. Because I... Bell bottoms, big belly. I, you know, and the reason I remember it is, is that I was playing seventh grade football... And my dad would send his assistant manager to pick me up after practice, take me home after practice. I don't know if she was probably in her 30s, but like hair for miles and just complete over makeup. The reason that I'm telling you this is because I get in the car and, you know, and she'd picked me up before and it's just running down her face and I couldn't figure out why. And she's bawling and I couldn't quite figure out, you know, and I'm just like, kind of freaked me out and I didn't want to ask. And then she had the radio playing, and then all of a sudden you hear the announcer go, there's another one from the late, great Elvis Presley who passed away today. And then, woo! And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, now I see what happened. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I know it was in August. It was during football season. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I have this roofer friend with more money than brains that, you know, likes pills. And for some reason, (laughs) I had a conversation with him one night about the idea of, like, I don't sleep well on the road. And he's like, gives me a couple Xanax bars and says, break one of these in half. Take it before your third set. It'll probably hit you about the time you get back to the hotel, and you'll be fine. Okay? And I'm thinking, all right, I'm taking medical advice from this guy, which is <laughs> sketchy on its face, I know. But, you know, logic, you know, logic is, logical as it sounds at the time, it doesn't always add up. So, you know, I've got these two Xanax bars in my pocket during this gig, you know, right before the third set. I'm thinking, well, may as well give this theory a try. Well, actually, what he had said was, wait till right after the, after the third set before you leave and get back to the hotel. Okay. I'm thinking, well, if I take it before the third set, then, you know, I might have a little head start on it. And, I, you know, it might be a little drowsy before the end, but it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Well, of course, then I, so I wash it down with a shot of Jack. <laughs> oh, because this is a great idea. once again, you know, logic dictating this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So by the middle of that third set, I'm like doing the one legged dog and I'm just like, you know, wobbling. Beat all hell, but I made it through. But I threw the keys to my vehicle to the sound man. I'm like, dude, you got to drive back to the hotel. 
Okay. So, you know, he gets in the driver's seat. I get in the passenger side. There might have been someone in the back. Maybe. I don't know. We go to pull out of the club, and the first thing I see is Taco Bell open 24 hours. <laughs> well, once again, it's like, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And the last thing I remember is being in line at the Taco Bell. That's the last thing I remember. Uh, Until I wake up at noon the next morning, still in the passenger seat of the car with it folded back. And I'm laying on my back, and I have a burrito like this <laughs> on my chest. And I look down, and all I could think of was like, I look like an otter with a salmon floating upstream. <laughs> I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> and of course, you know, then I, you know, there's always a bow to put on the story. You know, like, well, because the question I usually get asked after that, you know, after like, oh, God, that's hilarious. But did you eat the burrito? Well, hell yes, I ate the burrito. <laughs> you know, Joey Tribbiani doesn't share food and Bruce J. Bennett doesn't waste it. My God, you can, you can take that to the bank. Yes. That's breakfast. Yeah, that, it, was, it was breakfast. How yeah. can you wake up with breakfast in your that's hand? That's right. I was floating upstream. It's perfect. <laughs> I was floating upstream. So I'm saying it's like, oh, those really bad stories, you know, start out with, well, I had two Xanax bars. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. Woke up with a burrito. Woke up with a burrito, yes. All right. <laughs> I see Sam perusing through something yeah, else, too. He might find one, but I can probably cut him off, too. Go for it. All right, there's one called the one is not enough, two is too many story. That's my experience with THC Lace Gubbies. Okay. Because my wife, you know, she's uh, she's a chronic pain patient, which, but when she got her card, that helped cut back on some of the meds that these doctors would pump into her. Sure. Okay. You mean something natural is good instead of something they make in lab coats and sure. wearing sure. suits? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. We're not that kind of podcast. Go ahead. If I want something put into my body, it's got to be mass-produced in a gigantic pharmaceutical billion-dollar industry and pumped out by men in lab coats who make huge profits. Continue. Where did you find Cory Booker? I have, where, where did he creep into this? He, uh, he, he cut all his hair off just like him, too. It's amazing. Amazing. All right, we'll see. But after my wife, you know, got her card, it was like, at that point, I was living with a reggae band. It was like, you know, I stopped, using, I stopped using an alarm in the morning. I would just wait for, you know. <laughs> Wake and bake. That was, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I couldn't do that. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, it's not a performance enhancing drug for me unless you're a pizza. You know, you know, I'm not going to work, you know, but all right, to preface the story. All right. So we go to a run with Ricochet through Colorado and I do a couple of shows in Denver. We're driving back and. It was determined that we we're going to stop at a place called Native Roots. Now, Native Roots is like the largest dispensary in Colorado. It's a chain. It's all over the place, you know. And let's just say a couple of the other guys in the group are 420 friendly. So, you know, we decide we're going to stop there. So the three of us walk in, you know, and the lobby looks like, you know, a chiropractor's office. It's one of the more antiseptic places you'll ever see. And they run your license just to make sure. And... And then they, you know, then there's like a vault door almost, you know, that it opens up and it's like, oh, it's like Valhalla walking through there. <laughs> like the trunk of that 71 Vega? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yes, yes. But then at which point you're, you're deluged by a bunch of tatted up guys with gauged earrings that are like pot doctors. They're like, oh, there's the indica and the sativa and there's a hybrid and there's this, that and the other. And I'm like, I just want some of the stuff that makes me high. Can I have some of that, please? You know, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. All right, all right, what do you really want? I'm like, okay, all right. I talked to my wife about this. She wants an edible, some gummies and a cartridge. I have 60 bucks, go, you know, and it's like they came back with you know, one of each and, you know, came to a little bit over $60. I'm like, I'm happy. Okay. What flavor are those gummies? Those are cherry. Perfect. I love cherry. All right. But, you know, this was for her. If I, if I happen to partake, you know, it, 
so be it. But chances are really good it wasn't going to because hell, it'd be gone by the time I get home from work. But, you know, here's the thing is that when we left the dispensary with our little sacks of goodies, it was like, all right, well, you've got to put those in your garment bag, your suitcase in the trailer and, you know, and bury it because if we're driving through Kansas, you know, and you've got out of the bus and we get pulled over, then we're all going to prison forever. Okay. So, okay, fine. Put it in my suitcase. No problem. Drive, get home, everything else. It's late, you know, and I'm ready to go to bed and I just throw that bag. Like I can get up for work in the morning. So, okay. Well, I go to work the next day and come back home. And I'm tired and I'm like, but I'm like, you know, have you tried out any of those gummies yet? She goes, no, I tried the edible and cartridge. I haven't tried the gummies yet. Well, the gummies had been in that suitcase, in the bag, in the trailer, and it was the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, she gets the this it was little one gummy, plastic right? thing of gummies, and, yeah, and she opens the thing. <laughs> Nothing's coming out. And I'm like, well, oh, shit, now what do you do? And she grabs this fork and a knife, and I'm like, boom, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, well, how many was that? She's like, oh, probably two. Probably. <laughs> Shut up. Just, okay, fine. And evidently, I gave her and my stepdaughter about 60 minutes of the most glorious stand-up comedy they'd ever heard in their life. <laughs> and then face-planted to my pillow, and I don't remember shit. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, but then there were a couple of occasions after that where I would have one, and it just didn't do shit. So, you know, I'm like, one's not enough, two is too many. Well, fast forward a few months later, it's her birthday, and it was on a Monday, and I called up my boss. I'm like, look, it's Chrissy's birthday. Kind of like to stay home with her today, you know, take a personal day, spend it with her, take her to eat somewhere, so on and so forth. Yeah, go ahead, do, do your thing. Okay, fine. And so, you know, I'm like, Chrissy, why don't we go to Buttered Biscuit and do breakfast for lunch? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just fine. <laughs> you know, let me warm up for this. I'm like, okay, fine. You want to say I'm like, no, I gotta, you know, I got to drive over there. I'm like, but, you know, do uh, you have any of those gummies left? I got her some gummies from one of the local dispensaries. And so I took one of them and... I'm like, well, she's like, is it, what, you think it'll be enough? I'm like, oh, probably. Well, then I get in the car to drive, and I'm like, oh, why don't you go ahead and give me one more? Well, that'll be two. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't think these will be that bad. <laughs> well, then I got about like a few blocks. I mean, I'm on the highway, and all of a sudden, I just felt this thing in my stomach just go bloop. I'm like, oh, what, what just happened here? You know, and next thing I know, I'm white knuckling. I'm like, holy shit. You know, and then it's like that scene from Clueless when they're, you know, they're driving on the highway. It's like, oh, oh, damn, what the hell? You know, and they're freaking out because they're driving, you know, there's cars everywhere coming at them. And that's me white knuckling, you know, f- three miles up the street to the buttered biscuit. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. And so we pull into the buttered biscuit and, she, you know, she gets out one side of the truck. I get out the other. And I'm walking to the door like a cat with sticky notes stuck to its paws. You know, it's like I'm lifting my legs, like my feet, like, you know, ultra high. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, I'll fall on my ass if I don't watch what I'm doing. Here. So let me get inside. She's like, oh, my God, we're, we're in trouble. You know, we go and sit down. And I'm just sitting around. And everybody knows I'm high. Everybody knows I'm high. Everybody's high. Right. She's like, will you shut the fuck up? You know, and I'm like, I, okay. And then, you know, and then they see this at the table and it's like the music's playing and it all sounds like it's in the same key. And, you know, it just sounds like the same song playing over and over and it's just annoying the hell out of me and i'm just like you know and then the food comes and i'm like opening my mouth as wide as i possibly can to make sure the fork hits it <laughs> and she's like what the hell is wrong with you and i'm like ah, 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 you know <laughs> then we get back in the car and drive home and then i face plant and i'm you know i'm out and i'm like well one is not enough yeah two is too many yeah it was probably way too much stimuli for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That reminds me of a bit Louis C.K. has. Oh. 
that uh, he was just talking about uh, just really quickly. It was after a show and there was a circle of kids smoking pot in the parking lot. And he's like, I haven't smoked pot, you know, since the seventies. And I didn't know they'd been working on this shit. Like it was a cure for cancer. Oh. You know? So he's like, I'm taking these great big hits. And even the kids are like, uh, you might want to come down, sir. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then he said the whole world was just like, <sighs> to a slow motion where he was just like, Oh my God, the, the air's hitting my arm weirdly and they can tell. And I'll just look at her and count one, two, three. Okay. Look at him. <laughs> one, two, three, you know, it's just, just like try, trying to survive second by second. And just do, yeah, just the immense amount of concentration yeah. just to do some <laughs> menial task like eat. Act normal. Yeah, what act is normal. normal. What is normal? What is normal anyway? Yeah. Oh, I'm acting abnormal. Yeah, it's All not right. good. All right, so there's another story entitled The Hookers in Vegas Story, and I can tell half of it. I can't tell the second half. <laughs> okay, anymore. I was wondering about that. Yeah, okay. I, I can't tell. I can't. I, I don't know if I can tell the second half or not, even so though you leave the, the second half is pretty funny, too. Right? Go get that moonshine, and let's get this other half of the story out of him. Come on. <laughs> I, I might get there. It's, yeah, all right. So, you know, as, as we talked about, like, the last time I was here, one of the bands I play with, well, actually, it turned out to be in two different bands I played with. I played the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas for about six years straight from like 2010 to 2015. And it's 10 days or 10 nights. Uh, the first three years were at MGM. The last three were at Mandalay Bay. And um, when we played at MGM, Rodney Carrington was there at the same time, but he was always on stage while we were playing. So we never got to see him. He came out like the last year we were at MGM and hung out for a little bit. But before that, he had a, a, an opening act that would come out and hang out with us because... You know, he liked hanging out with the musicians. We pretty much had free Crown Royal and Coors Light that we wanted. And to quote him, he's like, I see that little bastard every night, so I'd rather hang with you guys. I mean, this was one of the funniest individuals. Oh, that's that's cool. Well, one of the things that you're told when you play something like this, one of the primers that we had was that there were professionals that would ply their trades inside of the casino. You know, it's against the law and... Vegas, but you know, it's, yeah, it's prosecutable, but it's also encouraged, I think. So, you know, but <laughs> one of the things that they tell you is what the operative word is, would you like some company? <laughs> okay. So in other words, you know, if you were standing at a bar somewhere and some scantily clad woman came to you that looked professional said, would you like some company? That was kind of like an enticement to a bargain, you know, at that point. Well, you know, so we're hanging out with this guy that was an opening act for Rodney and the band and we're throwing them down, and sure enough, one of them comes up to him and was like, would you like some company? And he'd heard the primer, too, and he's like, well, how much would this company cost me? And she's like, $400? And he's like, well, good, because I cost five, so if you've got a hundred, we can deal. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I've never seen a hooker run away, from, run away from a man that fast in my life. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is sheer comedy genius. Oh, yeah. I love it. That, that is awesome. Yeah, so I, yeah, I have to, I've had to remember that one. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, all right, all right. So the second half. Oh okay. right. So you know, since that went pretty quick and pretty well, the first year that we went to Vegas, the rooms they comped us were one short than what we should have had because the the idea was to get each of us our own room. Okay. In other words, we had like six guys and they comped us five rooms, so one of us had to double up, and they figured that you know it would be best if the, the responsible one would um, room with the singer. They put him with me to make sure he would get to wherever we needed to be on time because if you didn't have that adult supervision, there was a chance that it wouldn't happen. So they, they put me with him. And uh, one of the nights after we get done playing, I mean, and we all scatter different directions and you know, drinking everything else. And I stagger back to my room and, you know, I'm, well, I beat him back. Okay. So I lay down in bed. Well, 
a few minutes later, the door opens up and I hear his voice. I'm like, okay, well, he's back. And then I hear a female voice. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, then maybe he picked up something at the bar. You know, I can fake like I'm asleep and watch a little bit of sport fucking. But, you know, <laughs> which, you know, if, if you're on the road with a band, that does happen. I mean, sometimes you have to, you know, you have to do that sort of thing. And, but then I hear the, you know, so I'm like, okay, well, this ought to be good. Well, then I hear the girl say, you don't touch me, you don't kiss me, and I'll put the rubber on. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, dude got him a hooker because, you know, that you know, made sense. And, you know, and I could tell the singer was just hammered. And so, you know, they're going at it and bed over for me, and I'm doing like, <laughs> you know, fake sleep thing, you know, <laughs> you know. And then I hear him say something like, oh, I'm kind of drunk, you know, just like give me a peck on the neck, you know, so I can finish. She's like, I've seen you wallet around all those girls at the bar. You know, that ain't going to happen. I'm like, oh, shit, she's a true romantic. <laughs> and and I, and I had my phone in the bed. And all of a sudden, you know, she, you know, completes his mission. And I look at my phone, it's like seven minutes. And, <laughs> and she, you know, at which point she's immediately off and she's on her way to the restroom to dispose of the evidence. And I think she may have been on the cell phone to either tell the big bodyguard outside the door or she was scheduling her five o'clock. One of the two. <laughs> I, I couldn't exactly determine which. And, you know, so she's in the bathroom for a second, you know, and I kind of get up from the bed and look over and I'm just like shaking my head. He's like, oh, hey, I got me a hooker. And I'm like, yeah, I heard. And he's like, oh, man, you know, like, you know, what do you see her? She's just fine. I'm like, well, I know. But I mean, like, don't touch me. Don't kiss me. I'll put the rubber on. I mean, technically, dude, you didn't even make contact. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, wait, what? And he's like, no, I mean, hell, you didn't make contact. I'm like, I got a good look at her. I mean, she's in my spank bank now. And guess what? In about half an hour, I will have made as much contact with her as you did. <laughs> For free? For free. You know, I'm like, how much does this cost? He's like, $250. And I'm like, I'm fixing to save me, you know. <laughs> you know, and then she comes walking out of the bathroom, you know, and he's like, hey, this is my roommate, Bruce. And she's like, oh, hi, I'm so-so. I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, you know, because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't want to tell her. I, I'd, I'd seen this act. I know how it ends. And, at which point she leaves, you know. But, I mean, he just had this look at his face at that point. Like, I shot his dog. You know, I just, like, screwed the whole thing for him. But, but you know, I was really happy after that. <laughs> Do you think that was... Just so she didn't really do anything illegal. Oh no! It was, I mean, it's, you know. I mean, I to, guess that's still illegal. You right? have to go one county over in Nevada from yeah, Vegas exactly for that yeah. to happen. For that to I've happen heard. legally, yes. Never been there, but yes. Isn't that a strange deal? Where it is rightfully so, completely legal to meet a nice looking young lady, and you take her out, and maybe you eat steak or something, and you go back to your place and you have sex, and that's completely legal, but. If you place money on the table after, then automatically it is illegal. Well, was it George Carlin that said you can sell things and you can go fucking, but you can't sell fucking? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I want to revisit Carlin. a part of that story. He was drunk and still just went seven minutes? Well, yeah, but I mean, you should have seen the girl, I can imagine. Oh, okay. I, I was mean, gonna, at least know, when you get a little bit drunk, you get that whiskey dick where you can... Skilled, go. skilled, very skilled. Okay. I'm, maybe I'm the sure. price for something else was way more than that, you know? Maybe that was the 500 or something. You know, I think part of her game is the idea is, like, you make it efficient as possible. Sure, oh, you yeah. Know, so, like, you know, seven minutes, oh, fine, bang, off the next one. That is seven minutes oh, in heaven. that's true. Yeah, you know, that's true. See, because you divide, what, 60 minutes divided by seven, so that's, like, eight and a fraction <laughs> times 250, so that's a couple grand an hour, you know, if you're really quick. And, that does make sense, yeah. You know, and if you can... No, it does. Why would she want to spend 40 minutes to complete this when if she yeah. figures out, like, hey, I can do this, do this, grab this, twist this, and bite that, and he's off in two minutes. Boom, I'm on to the next, you know, 200 bucks. I get it. I get it. That's economical. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, because he was already doing the monetary calculation for it. It's like, a uh, steak? It's like, uh, you go to Doe's. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can rack it up to 250 real quick. Yeah, yeah that's and, true. Uh, and, and possibly not even wind up with a happier ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet your mind. You know, one thing we didn't mention at the beginning of the episode is that Bruce gave us so much material that we decided to split this thing up into two episodes. So that's going to do it for today. We hope you all come back next week for more story time with Bruce. And as Joe and Ivan would say, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Oh, thanks for listening, baby. You know what I'm saying? Murders and mysteries and little smash and grab.